This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome to I Am Gotham. I'm Mark Reddy, and this week we're going to be talking about Detective Comics number 49 and 50. But before we do that, I wanted to uh, briefly talk about the the recent news of the Batman script rework for the new uh, Ben Affleck solo flick. And it looks like there was some kind of leak on Twitter, I guess, that uh, Ben Affleck's script was based on the game. I don't know if anyone that listens to this has ever seen the game, but I thought that was a fantastic movie. It's uh, Michael Douglas came out, I don't even know, in the 90s, I think. Uh, but it was a really good movie. And the fact that they would base the script on that, I think, is really interesting. I think it could have made for, for a great Batman story. Now, that's no longer the case because they're reworking the script. But I did want to talk a little bit about the choice of actors. It was Joe Mangiello was supposed to be playing Deathstroke, which I think is a fantastic choice. I think he would make a great Deathstroke. And I don't know if that's still going to happen or not. But we already have Deathstroke and Will Smith, and I don't know, you know, what his schedule is or whatever, but the one thing that Marvel movies have done really well is have a consistent cast of actors playing particular roles. And I'm not saying that you always need to have those people playing those roles, right? But after a while, it almost becomes... Kind of like second nature that you expect certain people to play certain characters. Like, for example, look at Iron Man. Can anybody see anybody but Robert Downey Jr. playing Iron Man? Probably not, right? Because he's been in so many of these Marvel movies. He is the face of Iron Man. And even in the comics, he's kind of turned into <laughs> into a Robert Downey Jr. figure. So, it's interesting. While I don't agree with all of Marvel's choices, I think it's been really smart to have a consistent cast. And while the DC Universe, cinematic universe, is still very young and trying to get its feet together, um, I, I hope that DC and Warner Brothers finds a way to uh, have consistent casting across all these flicks. You know, there's that other rumor of a, a Joker flick coming out a Joker solo origin story I don't know how I feel about that I kind of I don't want a Joker uh, origin story you know he's had so many that it's kind of more interesting to uh, have him be a a mysterious figure it's kind of like Wolverine was in in the 80s and 90s right he was uh, he was this mysterious guy and once we started getting all the Weapon X stuff, now granted, Weapon X was a fantastic series. But once we got all that origin story, it kind of became a little less interesting, right? It was cool when we got it, because you're like, oh my god, like this is awesome, this is what happens. Uh, it helped that the series was well done. But then, like, there's no, there's no mystery left. And, and to explore a Joker origin story, I think, might be a mistake. But we'll see. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I just hope, again, that DC and Warner Brothers do find a way to have consistent casting across all their films. And while, you know, it, it's not necessarily a deal breaker, I think that's one thing that definitely has helped the Marvel Universe become so cohesive. So I know nobody from DC and, and Warner Brothers listens to this, most likely, but just a thought if you guys are listening, uh, and if anybody that does listen has an ear in somebody... 
I think it could be a mistake to do continuous recasting. Finally, uh, just a programming note, I did record an episode of I Am Gotham last night with uh, Jay Loving, who's been doing the animated series with me, and uh, a new episode of that will be out next week. He was on, uh, let's see, we had Aaron Bell and Rodney Barron from Rebirthically uh, on that podcast as well, and we talked about DCU Presents Batman Harley Quinn. And had quite a bit of thoughts about the flick itself. It's not a perfect movie. It is a fun and funny movie. But I will just say this, probably not for the kids. So if you uh, if you plan on watching it, maybe try to watch it without the kids around. My, my original intention was to watch it with my 7-year-old because she loves them. And uh, she loves Harley Quinn. But probably not the best idea. I'm kind of glad it didn't happen. And uh, you'll have some more thoughts on that Friday when we release that episode. Anyways, without further ado, let's get on with the books, yeah? So issue 49 of Detective Comics brings us the return of Clayface in Clayface Walks Again. And I have to say, this this issue was a, a breath of fresh air for me, especially after the last couple of issues that we've been reading for, for the podcast, where a lot of the stories are very slow-paced, uh, they're centered very much in just like... Uh, regular gangsters and uh more more normal people it was nice to have a, a super villain that we could kind of go after again uh of course that hasn't been every issue like you know we had joker show up um and a couple other people but this particular story is super fast paced the whole thing reads so quickly it was uh it was really nice compared to some of the stuff that we've been reading lately so clayface walks again as you remember from a few episodes back, Clayface used to be Carlo, which was an actor who portrayed the character Clayface in a, in a series of gothic horror flicks. And he was fired by the film studios. As a result, he went crazy. He took the mantle of Clayface, which looks a little bit like the Phantom of the Opera, and uh, started killing off actors in the film, kind of based on the script of the movie. And uh, after the end of that issue, he is... Uh, the Batman stops him. He's sent to the state asylum because he's crazy. Now, remember, this is not Arkham yet. There's no Arkham. This is the state asylum. Uh, he gets sent there. As this issue begins, uh, we have uh, the movie studios are reshooting another film. And, of course, they have Julie Madison as the, uh, the main actress. But this is Hollywood, and I guess Julie Madison is maybe not a cool enough name for Hollywood. So there's a little, uh, there's a few panels here of the movie producers and directors talking to each other about what cool name they can give their new uh, superstar. And after a few panels of discussing it, they decide upon the name Porsche Storm. So if I remember, if I refer to Porsche Storm, just remember that's Julie Madison. Anyways, we then cut to Julie and Bruce. They're sitting at Bruce's house, and uh, it's it's kind of weird it's a very weird discussion i'll just go ahead and read some of it to you so bruce says you're on the way up a new star a new name and julie says and a new career oh bruce if only you would do something if only you'd find the, uh, yourself a career instead of being the public's number one playboy and bruce thinks to himself sorry honey i'm having too good a time to be bothered with anything remotely connected with work you'd be mighty surprised if you knew i had a career as the batman of course he's not telling her this this is in his head then Julie says, Then I'm sorry, Bruce. Until you decide to make something of yourself, I'm afraid our engagement is off. Bruce says, I see. 
I'm not walking out on you, Bruce. Anytime you decide to change your ways, I'll come back for you gladly. I understand. It's all right. In case you ever need me for anything, just holler. If there's anything I can do... Thank you, Bruce, but I don't think I'll ever be in so much trouble. Of course, we know that's not true, because Clayface is just around the corner. And he's actually being transported by an ambulance to a, a different location. And uh, the night he's being transported, there's a huge storm. The ambulance that is transporting him actually uh, drives off a cliff because of the bad weather. And, of course, uh, Basil Carlo manages to escape from this and somehow finds a movie makeup supply store. I mean, I, I guess maybe in the 40s that was a thing. I don't, I don't know. I mean, he does, uh, he does fall off this, uh, mountain just kind of in the middle of nowhere. So I don't know how he found this, uh, makeup supply store so quickly. But you know what? It doesn't matter because he gets the owner, uh, supposedly, or maybe apparently kills the, uh, makeup supply store owner. And starts applying makeup to himself, right? So he's got his cloak, he puts makeup on, and then the clay on his face, and uh, he's back to being Clayface. And of course, what he wants to do is get revenge on the movie studios, finish what he started. Of course, he wants to kill Julie Madison, now Portia Storm. And of course, if he runs into Batman, he wants to handle him as well. So Batman and Robin are reading the newspaper. That's the thing, remember. Always reading the paper. And they decide that Julie might be in trouble, so they uh, they decide to go to the uh, to the new movie set. And sure enough, Clayface is there. So Batman and Clayface duke it out all over this uh, this movie set. It's kind of cool. The uh, <laughs> there's a, a recreation of Gotham City on this movie set, so they're fighting over it, kind of like uh, it, it almost looks like a Godzilla movie, you know, with Batman and Clayface over the uh, the miniature city. Clayface manages to grab one of the uh, replica uh, railroad trains and throws it at Batman, which knocks him out, and he manages to escape. As he's doing that, he comes upon Robin and manages to knock Robin out, and then he sets the movie set on fire. Luckily, of course, you know, there's there's people all around the movie set, so they're able to start uh, stop the, the fire, or try to contain it at least. Except Robin is trapped inside the set, so when Batman comes back to his senses, he douses himself in water and jumps right into the fire to try to get Robin out. You know, he's like, listen, my best friend's in there. I'm not going to just not do anything. I'm going to go in and then get him out. After all this is said and done, you see Julie driving through the street and she sees a figure that she believes is Clayface. So she talks to the movie producer about, hey, maybe getting some uh, security for her because she doesn't want to stop shooting the film. Right. Remember, she's about to be a megastar. Right? So, of course, she wants to do anything she can to not ruin her chances. Batman and Robin decide that they're going to help out, and they come with a plan. What that plan is, we don't know yet, but we'll find out very soon. The next day, we head back to the movie studio, and they're getting ready to shoot the flick. There's security guards everywhere. And uh, Batman and Robin show up to the movie studio, and the guys are like, listen, you can't come in. And Batman's like, look, I'm here to help Portia. We want to help her not get killed. And the security guards are like, yeah, she, if she gets killed, it'll be by a mass freak like you. Of course, Batman and Robin don't take lightly to this, so they start beating up all the security guards that, by the way, are there to protect Portia Storm. Well, they start getting into the studio, they find Portia, there's more security guards attacking them, so they beat those guys up, and as all this is happening, Clayface is up on the balcony watching, and he shoots an arrow down 
and shoots Portia right in the back. And then, of course, Batman sees and says, ha, there's Clayface. So he runs up to the balcony. He and Clayface start fighting it out. Uh, he manages to throw Clayface down the stairs. There's a lot of people getting thrown down stairs in these comics. That's like the way to defeat villains, apparently. Anyways, once he takes Clayface down, it turns out that the person he shot was not actually Portia slash Julie Madison, but it was indeed Robin dressed up as Portia. And uh, he had like uh, cork and cotton uh, bags lined around his uh, torso, and that's why the arrow didn't uh, didn't infiltrate him and kill him. And as we learned then, the person that we thought was Robin the whole time is actually Julie Madison, dressed up as Robin. Not gonna say Julie Madison, you are one badass lady, because to go from just this prissy, super mega movie star to being Robin just like that, and I mean she was she was fighting the security guards, so she's pretty tough. Where she learned her martial arts, I don't know. They never talk about it, and you know what? It doesn't matter. Of course, the movie producer wants Batman and Robin to uh, become mega movie stars themselves. Of course, Batman says, when there's no more crime in this world, I'll gladly do it. Until then, I'm busy! And that's the end of this issue. I, I just loved it. It was so so fast-paced, so fun, so much action in this. It was, uh, it was a really great read. So I hope if you haven't read this, go ahead and check it out. And uh, that's Detective Comics number 49. And finally, we have Detective Comics number 50. This is the case of the three devils. And as you can imagine, Batman and Robin fight three guys dressed up as devils. And uh, this is another cool story. It's a very quick one and done. But uh, Batman and Robin end up finding these three guys dressed as devils who have robbed the place. And uh, they're chasing them through the rooftops. And these guys are super acrobatic. They're like, um, what's that called? Parkour? They're like parkour guys. They're just like jumping to flagpoles and like swinging from them and grabbing each other and going to uh, like ladders and banisters and stuff. It's crazy. Um, it turns out that they've been robbing uh, all these jewelry stores, uh, doing holdups on the street and whatever. So Commissioner Gordon wants to get uh, get all the cops together to go after these guys. Batman and Robin, of course, also want to get them. And when they realize that they're, uh, they're robbing jewelry stores, they decide to stake out like a couple different fencers in, in Gotham City. And these are guys that will buy stolen goods for a particular price and then sell them off to other people. Uh, it ends up that they're using Frankie the Fence as, uh, I love these gangster names by the way, they're awesome. They, they decide that Frankie the Fence is the guy, so they're staking him out. And sure enough, there's the, uh, the three devils trying to fence off some jewels and there's a, a all-out fight between the devils and batman and robin uh, frankie's got some guys there of course who tried to uh, help the devils get away and uh, it's pretty funny <laughs> robin literally throws the book at one of these guys and the book says crime does not pay and i can't read quite what the uh what the uh, author is but i think it's robin something so that's that's kind of funny the three devils end up getting out of this place as Frankie and his goons are holding Batman and Robin off, and they get in their car and start driving off. And luckily for Batman and Robin, they have just developed rocket skates. Yes, I said rocket skates. So <laughs> Robin puts on his rocket skates and starts chasing after the uh, the, the three devils uh, in his rocket skates. And that works out pretty well until he gets to a subway station where the uh, the three devils are, you know, they go into hiding. Uh, their their hideout is underground. 
And the three devils find Robin. They knock him out with their gun. And they decide what they're going to do with him. One of them's like, well, we should just shoot him and get it over with. And he won't come back after us. And the other ones are like, no, we can't do that. Because if we do, they'll find out that our, our, you know, our hideout is underground. Let's just throw him in the train tracks and hope that a train kills him. And then it'll just look like an accident. It's pretty smart. Luckily, Robin uh, gains consciousness again before the train actually runs over him. He uh, manages to get underneath the train and uh, is saved. Later on that day, he he's talking to Bruce. And they're like, look, we're just going to give you a day to rest. And then we'll go back underground and see if we can find these devils. So the next day they go back to this place and they find the hideout. And there's a bunch of newspaper clippings. Which really, probably not very smart for uh, for these kind of criminals. Because now Batman and Robin know exactly what they're going to do. They're going to be staking out the Capitol State Building and uh, perform their robbery from there. So Batman and Robin do head over to the Capitol State Building and find the three devils there. Robin gets thrown over the bell tower and it's just kind of hanging from the clock. One of the devils tries to shoot him and of course he uses his trusty slingshot to uh, knock one of these devils out. The other two devils are fighting Batman, who manages to get on the bell itself, uses it to swing over and kick both of these guys, and they fall off the tower to their deaths. Of course, we get the little little liner at the end. Like a lot of other people, they thought they could pick up wealth the easy way. They should have realized that's the hardest way, which once again proves that crime does not pay. And that's the end of Detective Comics number 50. Uh, pretty cool story, kind of fun. The uh, the devils are just you know one and done villains, but um, I do love seeing all these uh, these ex circus guys fighting Batman and Robin because they really do provide quite a bit of action in these stories. I hope you enjoyed those two. We'll be back in a couple days. So I'll be talking about Detective Comics number fifty one and fifty two, and then the episode after that on Friday will be our discussion of DCU presents Batman and Harley Quinn. If you want to get in touch with me, Twitter's the best place. At Geekvine is where you can find me. You can find the network at Nerdy Legion. And of course, NerdyLegion.com is the website where you can find tons of other podcasts from Marvel, DC, see Indie Comics, Valiant Comics, Aftershock Comics, Wrestling Podcasts, TV Movie Podcasts, all kinds of podcasts. I hope you enjoy, and we'll catch you next time.